Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week eight has arrived and we'll be touching on some of those big time matchups and what we're looking for in them. Followed, of course, by another round of fan submitted start sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside, dropped down for Franklin! Oh, majestic! Touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everyone. I am Justice, your guest host for the next two weeks on the Start Sit episodes, sitting in for Jared Palmgren. I am joined by uh, the other host, uh, Justin, Volume Pigs. Welcome, Justin. How are you doing tonight? Hey, man. Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, glad to be back on the show. Took a little bye week last week, so feeling refreshed, ready to go. Yeah, this will be my third podcast in three days, so cool. <laughs> been busy, busy. Anyway. <laughs> um, so before we get started, I'll uh, do Jared's spiel here. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. If you want to support the great work we are doing, head on over to campusdecanton.com and subscribe there with one of our three tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Debbie, C2C, betting, and even college IDP, including articles, rankings, projections, tools, and so much more. You can also find Jared and the show on Twitter. Jared's at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. You can find myself at Justice uh, underscore 2318. In addition to working on college fantasy football and college IDP over at Campus to Canton, I also host a G5 only college football podcast focused on college fantasy football called the G5 Hive. And I also host a college IDP focused podcast called the Debbie IDP Grind. Justin, you want to tell people where they can find you and your work? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Volume Picks. Uh, in my profile, you'll see a, a link to a website called volumepicks.com. That's where all the articles that I write are basically housed. Uh, I'm also writing stuff occasionally on Campus to Canton. Uh, I appear occasionally on the fan tracks, weekly waiver wire, gemstone articles also. Uh, and of course, uh, every week or every every other week uh, with Jared uh, or a co-host on this show. Awesome, awesome, man. You, you, you pump out so much work, like it's crazy. Like, I don't know how you find the time, man. It's a lot. Yeah, it piles <laughs> up. So <laughs> I'm saying you know, I was on by last week from this show. So I got a little bit of a little bit of downtime, but uh, yeah, not too much. Good, good stuff. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started uh, with our first segment. And that is some matchups we are looking forward to. Um, and the very first one I wanted to talk about was probably the biggest matchup in all of college football this week. And that's number seven, Penn State, against number three, Ohio State. Has a uh, over-under of 46-and-a-half, and Ohio State is favored by four points. Um, 
something I'm looking forward to, like just from a pure college football sense, it, it should be a really good game. It's it's a noon game on Fox on Saturday. Um, I'm interested to see like what how how the Ohio State offense looks against that Penn State defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what to make of the Ohio State offense really this year yet. I mean, McCord's sort of improved quite a bit. Uh, obviously, Marvin, Marvin Harrison's really good at football. Uh, their wide receiver, too, though, Emeka Kuka has kind of you know, been inconsistent, fluctuating. Uh, he hasn't really seen the targets that I would have expected preseason. And obviously, like, the running back room is just kind of just a mess. Like, they just have a lot of injuries. Uh, although I think Travion is supposed to be back this weekend. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, so I'm with you. Like, from a pure college football standpoint, this is a fantastic matchup. There's actually a lot of good matchups this weekend. We're at that kind of time of the year now. Uh, so, I mean, this is a real, like, gut check for Penn State. Like, we're going to see how, how real are they this season. This is always usually the case. You know, they start off the year usually undefeated, and then they play either Michigan or Ohio State, and that kind of gives you the litmus test of, of where they're at. Uh, you know, on the Penn State side, I think, you know, the names – in terms of CFF relevancy, I think we all kind of know. I mean, Drew LR, uh, he's not been fantastic from a CFF standpoint this season. He's been okay. Uh, the two running backs there, they're, they're basically sort of cannibalizing each other. I mean, they, they have some good games here and there. But if you're in the standard league and you have to start one, that, that's just a nightmare, trying to guess who's going to pop off each week. Uh, they do have their tight end, Tyler Warren, who's been sort of quietly productive. Tight, tight end's just been a... Tough position. Theo Johnson popped off last week as well. Okay, yeah, they have two tight ends, and tight, basically any any tight end who scores a touchdown each week, <laughs> I have to like flag that. Uh, it's just a rough position right now. Um, Absolutely. This is a game where yeah, it might be a lot of points scored. If you need a tight end, Warren might be a name you keep in mind. Uh, OSU has Kate Stover at tight end. He's been really good actually the past few weeks. So. Sorry, I'm rambling on here. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. I mean. I, I'm, uh, you know, Carnell Tate will probably start in, st- in place of Egbuka again. Um, but I don't know that I would be rolling him out again in this game. Um, I'd like to see Brandon Ennis get more involved as well, maybe. Um, I know he got involved towards the end last week. Um, he had, I think, like a 50-some yard touchdown catch, which was pretty nice to see. Um, Penn State, I don't know if you can really rely on any of the receivers. Maybe Keandre Lambert-Smith, but... Like say. it's just kind of like low volume, right? It's not, it's not, not a lot of volume. So there's probably a better option. Like in, yeah. if someone's wondering in your league, there's probably a better option. Uh, it, interesting. You mentioned about Ennis too. Was that his first like thing that he's done? This is, I, I believe that's yes. I believe so. Okay. I believe so. Cause he's, he's kind of, uh, he's been something, he's been someone that people are worried about for that year one zero in their C2C oh, leagues. Yeah. And um, he didn't break those thresholds. But like it's at least got on the field, so it's in progress, right? So that was it was just positive to see um, see him get on the field, and hopefully he can continue uh, to, to see the field some more as the season progresses. Yeah, that, that's what I was wondering. Keeping sort of Austin's year, you know, one zero theory in mind. Uh, I know he was, he was a heralded recruit coming in, right? And it's kind of tough as a school like OSU at that position, but typically, yeah, you expect them to get on the field at some point, do something. So uh, that's an encouraging sign. Yeah, and he was, and he didn't, he didn't sign in the spring, or he didn't, he wasn't enrolled in the spring. He didn't come till the fall, so it's a, it's a little bit understandable, like why, you know, maybe he's not, didn't get as much love as Tate did because Tate was there through the spring. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, next up, Washington State 
at uh, number nine, Oregon. The over-under on that game is 60, and Oregon is favored by 20. Um, a few short weeks ago, we would have thought this would have been like a, you know, a bunch of fantasy goodness, but Washington State the last couple of weeks has kind of came crashing down to earth. Um, be interesting to see if they, you know, if they can do anything against Oregon. Oregon's defense is pretty decent. Um, I'm sure they'll be fired up after losing to Washington last week. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I could confidently start any Washington State players in this game. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, Cameron Ward, really promising start to the season. Last couple of weeks, kind of been on a downward slide. This is not a great matchup coming up this weekend. Oregon's you know, one of the few. Uh, teams west of Texas that plays defense as a pulse on defense. Uh, you know, they almost play like an SEC team. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope that slide continues, actually, this week for Ward, because somebody I'm playing against has him uh, in one of my leagues. So just from a pure selfish standpoint, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can start. They're actually really banged up also in the wide receiver room, uh, save for, like, Kyle Williams, maybe, who's, like, not dealing with any health issues and has been decently productive. The other two, Josh Kelly and Lincoln Victor, are both kind of uh, in limbo. I know Victor played last weekend, but clearly, like, wasn't 100%. Uh, so this is not really a week where if you had Victor and you held on to him through his injury, probably you still don't want to play him this weekend, even if he's been cleared. Uh, you wouldn't start him confidently, at least. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on your options. He, he's in one of our start sits uh, later on. And, um, I mean, I think the upside's there, right, because they're probably going to be playing from behind. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of passing. The question is really about his health, I think. And, yeah. And- what your what your other options are at at receiver or your flex spot? Um, Oregon obviously fire up Bo Nix, uh, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irvin, um, even uh, t- you know their tight ends. Uh, Ferguson's done well lately as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, on, on the Oregon side, I think yeah, as you, you mentioned, I think all the names there. We all we all know them. Shout out to Troy Franklin. That guy's on an absolute tear. Uh, Blitnikoff type seasons. A lot of good wide receivers in the Pac-12 right now, in addition to the QBs. So, uh, yeah, I probably won't be watching this game, uh, but it could be a sneaky good one from a CFF standpoint for the reason you mentioned, Justice. Washington State's behind, and they just pump their wide receivers full of targets. You could see sort of a backdoor uh, way there of, of getting a lot of points back in the second half. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up is one of the uh, one of my more favorite G five games, and that's uh, Colorado State at UNLV. UNLV surprisingly five and one on the season. They are favored in the game by looks like eight, and the over under is sixty two. Um, again, this should be like start all your assets on both sides. Another, I think it'll be a high scoring game shootout. Neither team's defense is all that great. Um, so, yeah, a, a Mountain West shootout uh, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Um, for Colorado State, um, J- Justin Ross Simmons, it's been reported that he had a hand injury last week. Um, so that's kind of, I think, why we saw Dylan Goffney kind of kind of take off. But he, he, Goffney started getting uh, targets the week before as well. Um, obviously, you're, you're starting uh, Torrey Horton, Dallin Holker. Um, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi every week. Um, Goffney, I'd probably kind of wait to see what's going on with Justin Ross, Justice Ross Simmons to see if he's going to yeah. play. But, you know, if, if I didn't have a lot of better options, I wouldn't be scared to throw Goffney out there. Um, 
Lewis Brown's just been very inconsistent, I feel like. Um, not yeah. consistent enough that I'd want to start him on a week-to-week basis. I think he's like a true freshman, right? Or a redshirt freshman. Like he, if I remember correctly, he's quite young. And this is like his first season actually playing with for Colorado State. Uh, so it's to be expected, I think, some of these like peaks and troughs for him. Uh, I agree with you regarding Goffney. I mean, you could do a lot worse. It depends really like how deep your league is and what the other options are. You have to throw him in the, in the starting lineup. I mean, uh, it's not you know it's not the worst. Uh, certainly, this is going to be a high-scoring game. You know, high chance he ends up on the other end of a touchdown pass, especially if JRS is, is not you know even if he plays but not full go kind of thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. I think everybody knows by now. Dallin Holker, uh, especially now that Bowers is out, I guess it's tight end. It's kind of the last man standing. <laughs> last man standing makes me a little worrisome for him uh, this weekend. Um, but you know, he continues to kill it. Um, on the UNLV side, you know, uh, they've got some players too. It's just that none of their players are consistent. So it's kind right. of Ricky yeah, White's probably the most consistent one, I guess. Yeah, and even he's not like right. right. Like, he, he scored over 20 points in two of the last four games, if I remember correctly. I, I wrote about him in a waiver wire report a few days ago, so if that number's not correct. I, I know he's had some, some good games uh, in the last couple couple weeks, uh, but he's kind of up and down even even still. Um, and, you know, the quarterback playing is also kind of inconsistent. That's probably why Ricky White's a little up and down. But this is a good game in terms of just the recipe for CFF success. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they've got that go-go offense over there. Uh, they've got, you know, some guys who, you know, if you look at their track record as coaches, have had productive players at the wide receiver position before. Uh, so, you know, it's, is Ricky White just a flash in the pan every other week kind of guy, or is he going to sort of carve out maybe a more consistent role going forward? Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, we're at the midpoint of the season now, so, uh, you know, if he hasn't done it by now, maybe – Maybe it's not going to happen, but uh, in terms of UNLV side, yeah, the player I'd probably like the most is Ricky White. Um, they have a running back, different running backs go off, like it seems like every other week, so it's hard to Yeah, Jonathan, Donovan Lester, Jaden Thomas, yeah. Yeah, it's just hard to know like what's going on over there, right? unless you're in the meeting room with the coaches. Who's getting the touches this week? I, nobody really knows. <laughs> right. Uh, so, and and the, their QB they have, actually, his name escapes me. J- Jaden um, Maiva. Something like, Something like that. Yeah, because yeah, he's kind of like he has some dual credibility, if I remember correctly. Uh, he's not a bad punt play in this game. A lot of points are going to be scored. You never know. Uh, but yeah, it should be a fun game. All right, moving on to another high profile uh, Power Five matchup number 14, Utah, against number 18, USC, in Los Angeles. USC is favored by six and a half with an over under of 56. Um, this, this is a contrast of uh, styles, right? Uh, you got the, the team that wants to, to run the ball and play solid defense versus the team that plays no defense and uh, wants to throw it around. Um, you know, there's been word this week that maybe Cam Rising and uh, Brant Cuthy will set the season out. Um, or at least, you know, not play more than the four games where they could take a red shirt year. Um, so I think, you know, what that means for Utah is a lot of running the ball. We actually saw them last week use a uh, use their starting safety, uh, Sione Vaki, as a running back. And, he, you know, they use them 
think two weeks ago they started using him like as a wildcat quarterback. Um, and then last week, in addition to the wildcat quarterback, they also used him as a more traditional running back. And, and you know, he kind of went bonkers. Um, I actually uh, I actually scooped him up in one of my IDP leagues. Um, it's a little bit of a cheat code there. So I'm hoping he keeps he keeps getting those running back carries. Is he, is but, he still uh, points, right from the offensive side with that, right? Well, so in in the IDP in the IDP leagues I'm in, the five leagues that I'm in, um, I score them. I, I built a tool to score them, and it scores all the points. It doesn't matter what position they play; um, it scores all the points. Um, that was a big topic of discussion in the off season, um, but I already built the tool, and uh, you know people got Travis Hunter. Obviously, you know they're starting him at cornerback. And they're getting, you know, his wide receiver and his defensive points. Um, I'm yeah. of the opinion. I'm of the opinion that like a player should get all the points he does on the field, right? He should. You shouldn't be punished because he plays two positions. Um, yeah, that's fine. I've never played IDP, so I, I don't really have an opinion on the matter. I feel like this is a strangely productive year, though, for these like cheese type. Like I don't remember there being a lot of like two way players in years past like this. No, not no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll see it like on the offense side, right? Where um, the, no, the, one yeah. that comes, the one that comes to mind is the receiver for Kentucky that played quarterback. Um, oh, I can't think of his name, but like you're starting him at receiver, and he's freaking getting 300 yards rushing every week. Yeah, um, you see that kind of stuff. Um, on a much smaller scale, you we we, we have seen this in the past with an offensive defensive guy. Um, Oregon State, Oregon State last season had a linebacker that they would put into the game um, for goal line carries. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's getting one touchdown like every third game or something, right? So it wasn't it wasn't uh, that big of a deal. Um, fan tracks, like if you started if you started Travis Hunter at wide receiver on fan tracks, you're only getting the wide receiver points. Fan tracks doesn't um, count both. Yeah. But since fan tracks doesn't score tackles, um, I built a tool for the IDP leagues that I'm in. And so that tool basically takes all of our scoring and um, accredits to anybody you start on defense. But it's enough about defense. Um, so Utah, uh, Jaquinda Jackson, um, I'm, I'm sure people added Vaki um, with a lot of bite with bye weeks this week. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be scared to throw him out there if I needed to. Um, you know, USC, you got Caleb Williams, Marshawn Lloyd. You got all the receivers. Um, I don't – I mean, any USC wide receivers I owned in my CFF leagues, I have since dropped because if it's not best ball, I just don't see the value in having them. That You, you, you can't predict who's going to go off every week, right? Yeah. yeah. If you can't play a player confidently, they're effectively like useless to you. It's sort of the same with like the Penn State running back room. Obviously, each one is good. But like, if you don't know each week that you can play them confidently, then probably you never will. So you might as well just drop them. Uh, so I understand the logic uh, behind that. I agree with you in terms of uh, you know the, the converted safety turned running back. I, I guess they came off a bye right last week, so they must have been like preparing for this, and then they just unleashed him uh, yep. against the suspecting Cal team last weekend. Yeah, interesting. I mean, he ran the ball hard. Uh, he did a good job. Obviously, Jaquindon Jackson came back and he looked quite good. He had like 22 carries. Went over 100 yards and score. So, yeah, I mean, it might just be the case that this is the identity of the team this year where they're missing, you know, the sort of two core components of the passing attack uh, and sort of their response is to try to just line up and, and run the ball. And in which case, you know, there might be two CF, 
TFF-relevant running backs. Obviously, Brendan Jackson, everybody knows him. Uh, but there's also might be value in uh, – what is his name again? I keep forgetting. Tony Vaki. There we go. Yeah, there might be value in him also just if they run the ball, I don't know, 35, 40 times a game between two players. If he's still seeing around 20 touches, even if it is behind Quentin Jackson, there can still be value there. Certainly this week, right, against this defense. USC uh, is so bad on defense. Yeah, they got a lot of holes. Uh, it does raise questions. How how is how have they not figured this out yet? This is sort of the same problem that keeps coming up for Lincoln Raleigh. That's more of a philosophical, general question. At the end of the day, we know USC is bad on defense, so it's a good matchup in terms of you know US uh, Utah's players, especially the running backs. We saw Drake Estime; uh, he cleared 90 yards last week. I believe he scored. He had a, he had a pretty good day, uh, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah. It should be a good good game on the Utah side. Looking for Caleb Williams to bounce back also. He had a shocking performance last weekend. I think that was the worst we've seen him so far in his career. Well, uh, I mean, that that Notre Dame de- – this Utah defense, I think, is just as good as that Notre Dame defense. So it'll be interesting to kind of see yeah, how he looks. Yeah, maybe minus the, the inclement weather. I, I don't know how bad right. it actually is being. Uh, I was watching the game, and it didn't really look that bad. I, I do remember people saying it was going to rain. Uh, the forecast said it was heavy wind, so maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's um, Caleb Williams. Yeah, looking for a bounce back this weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure like what the issue is with the USC defense. I mean, I, they have talent, um, at least you know from a recruiting standpoint, but they just can't seem to you know do anything with the talent. So I don't know if it's the coaching or you know the talent's playing for themselves and not playing for the team. You know, I'm not sure what the issue is, but um, maybe well, maybe this offseason they'll get it together. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is the offseason they finally do it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the talent that they have, they have signed good players. But to be honest, like all of those blue chips from like the 2020, 2021 class, like these guys are nobodies, right? Like Corey Foreman. Like, yeah. I haven't Corey heard his Foreman. name. Right. Like some um, of these guys. And, and you can see the talent. Like Alexander, the, the, the kid that transferred over from Georgia, like he's clearly talented. You watch him on a, an individual basis. Like, He's a pretty good player, but you know you got you got to surround them with other guys, um, and, and you got to they got they got to get more out of the talent that they have. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, they haven't developed the players that they have. So. All right, moving on to a a Big Twelve showdown, um, maybe perhaps a revenge game for uh, Mr. Dylan Gabriel. We got University of Central Florida uh, going up against Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma is favored by 19 and a half and over under on this game of 65. Um, last I heard JRP is starting for UCF. I heard that. Um, and I know some, I, I feel like some fans would rather see Timmy McLean. Um, I, I mean, I just feel, I don't, I don't know that McLean can beat Oklahoma. He might be the better, more complete quarterback, but I feel like they have a better shot if JRP is fully healthy. Um, Oklahoma side, you know, you got uh, Dylan Gabriel, Jalil Farouk. Yeah. Um, and Anthony is out now for the season. So it'll be interesting to kind of see who, who else will step up to, uh, to, to join Farouk, you know, as far as the wide receivers go. Um, it seems like a, rot- a pretty heavy rotation as far as the, uh, the running backs there with, with uh, Tywee Walker kind of kind of leading the way, um, I guess you know to me like the guys I'm absolutely starting is probably Gabriel and Farouk. 
anybody else is probably going to be more dependent upon who I have on my on my bench. Yeah, I mean, on the UCF side, if you have RJ Harvey, you might think about it. Although OU's defense is pretty legit. Um, you know, if you have Harvey and you're wondering whether you want to start him, I'd probably look at that Texas game and see how well Texas ran it. Like, did Brooks have a good game that I, I don't even remember? Uh, so he that, did okay. Yeah, so that, that would be a data point I'd use uh, if, if you're wondering about Harvey. I, I don't know if the quarterback that they use is going to matter that much in terms of their chances of winning. I feel like OU should handle business here. They uh, should, absolutely. Yeah. Especially but, coming know, off the bye week. We, we see strange things happen in college football all the time. So I never put it past teams to, to you know, just uh, go off go off the wire. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see you know, how JRP looks first game back. I, I never expect much in terms of, like, when players come back after injury that first game. You know, you can't really – generally, they don't just go from zero to 100 like that just because they're cleared all of a sudden. You know, they're, <laughs> they're right back to where they were. It usually doesn't happen that way. So uh, I think OU is going to handle business here. I don't know if, you know, Gabriel, hopefully he does damage in the first half and then the second half. I would expect that the running backs would probably get leaned on just to close out the game, but you never know. Yeah, I, I, I like, you know, inter- interesting you said about the injuries. I generally like when a guy comes back, I like to see him play a game first if I can afford to before yeah. before I insert him in my starting lineup. Um, I mean, some guys, like, you know, are going to be automatic. Like, you know, a Torrey Horton, for example. Like, you know he's playing, you're going to start him. But some of the the the, the, the lower guys, like or, or mid level guys, I want to see you know see them do it on the field before I insert them into my starting lineup. Yeah, it, it depends on like the nature of the injury, how long they miss too, right? Yeah. All right. Next up is the highest score, or according to Vegas, the highest scoring game of the week, and it is another G five matchup, seven p.m. Saturday night, Utah State at San Jose State. San Jose State's favored by five and a half with an over under of 66 and a half. Um, Utah State, uh, supposedly McKay Hillstead should be back. He he should be uh, cleared from concussion protocol. Um, There hasn't been anything official that says he will be the starter. But I I mean, my guess is they're going to start him. Um, So kind of I think you need to kind of stay tuned to that, Um, regardless of which quarterback starts, Lagasse or Hillstead. If I own them, I'm probably firing them up unless I got better options. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, Royals and um, Terrell Vaughn and, you know, uh, Micah Davis, too. If, if you don't, you know, depending on, you know, if you're short, you know, receivers on a bye week or whatever. I mean, those three guys are getting pretty much every single reception that, you know, that uh, that that Utah State throws. Um, I think it was like two weeks ago where they all three were only three that caught the ball and all three had over 100 yards. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're concentrating the ball to their playmakers, which is, from a CFF perspective, is great to see, right? I was just going to say, that's literally the recipe you're chasing, right? Colorado did some of this, and they still do it to a certain degree, where it's like the same three receivers are always getting the targets. Ohio State has done this in the past, right? Uh, so heavy and concentrated volume is really the, the name of the game. Uh, Utah State's definitely sort of taking it on. Uh, early in the season, it looked like Vaughn was the clear. I, I still think he is wide receiver one. Uh, but they've got other guys now, especially Royals, in the last like three weeks. Like he's been uh, exceptionally productive for them. Uh, on San Jose State side, I mean they've got quite a few different players that sort of are interesting. Uh, obviously, Cordero at quarterback has kind of had a disappointing year so far, uh, but he's always live because he's, he's a dual threat. I mean he's always live for a forty point. Yep. He, he can go off at any moment. 
this is a great game. It's a great matchup for him. Uh, Kyrie Robinson, despite the fact that he doesn't really see consistent volume, like not the volume you sort of want necessarily for your RB1, uh, he continues to score touchdowns. Like he's very He had a monster week last week. Ridiculous week, yeah. Three touchdowns, I believe. Uh, yeah, 100 yards and like 100 yards receiving, and I want to say like 60-something. I mean, 100 yards rushing, like 60 receiving, something like that. Yeah, crazy week. Uh, he's kind of like the edge case or outlier of like the volume take philosophy. You know, generally I feel like however many touches a player gets, that'll be correlated with how many points they get, more or less. 20 touches, they'll probably have 20 points. Uh, Robinson, though, has been really, really effective and really efficient with his touches, despite the fact that like they have another running back there who sometimes inserts himself uh, a little bit. Quayley Conley. Yeah, so... But hey, I mean, Robinson's been consistently productive, even if he's not consistently seeing you know crazy touches. So uh, if you have him, of course you're going to roll with him this week. You thought State's defense uh, won't scare you. It will be a high-scoring game. Somebody has to score touchdowns. Uh, yeah. You know, running back's going to get involved with San Jose State. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah I, Nick Nash. Nick Nash uh, probably is you know the top receiver for San Jose State. You got uh, tight end Dominic Maziotti. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't. I haven't heard if Sam Olson's back yet or not. Um, yes. I know he was kind of the 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 leading guy, leading tight end for them early in the year, but he's been hurt the last few weeks, and Maziotti's kind of stepped up in, in uh, Olson's absence. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's worked out well. Uh, if you had Maziotti on your team, uh, he's kind of taken on more volume, more target volume. I, I know we're running on uh, a while on these games, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll cut it there. We'll keep it short on this one. <laughs> All right, uh, now we're going to move on to our sit starts for week number eight. And we'll start off with the uh, the quarterbacks. This question comes from A. Wood Sports on Twitter, and he wants us to choose one between Brady Cook versus South Carolina, Daquan Finn against Miami, Ohio, and Jalen Rayner against Coastal Carolina. Um, three good options here. Uh, Finn has been very up and down. Um, Cook, I feel like, has been very steady, and Rainer's like the ultimate kind of ceiling play. Um, he looked great, you know, two weeks ago, uh, or I'm sorry, three weeks ago, and then two weeks ago before the bye week, um, Troy kind of shut him down. So you kind of worry is, you know, does did Troy provide a game plan for other teams in terms of? Of stopping Rainer and obviously more more film on Rainer is available as well. Um, you have any thoughts on these quarterbacks before we get to our picks? No, I, I'd mirror mostly what you, you'd say. I mean, I, I think just inevitably the more a player plays, the more film other teams have. So even if Troy, like even if he'd still done well against Troy, like he wasn't going to score forty points, forty plus points every week, right? I, I think he did that back to back in his first two starts. Not too worried about him. I mean, again, look at Troy. Look at the quarterbacks that have played Troy. Nobody does well against Troy from the quarterback position. I mean, yeah, they're, they're one of the better defenses in the G5. I, yeah, I mean, you look at Austin Reed from WKU. You look at some of the other guys. I believe Will Howard, he's still the starter at Kansas State. I mean, he got shut down. Uh, so I'm not too worried about Rainer. He's got a good matchup. Uh, I agree with you on the other two. Finn's up and down. Uh, Miami of Ohio actually is one of those, one of the few MAC teams, or of the MAC teams, I should say, who's pretty good at defense, like as far as MAC standards go. Uh, Brady Cook is, is a conundrum. He's been solid. I don't know why they don't let him run. Like, he did a lot of running last year. He hasn't really done it this year. Uh, that seems to be a deliberate part of the plan, which is too bad for his CFF value, although he's still been solid as a distributor, just not quite the same ceiling that he might have had if uh, they would let him 
uh, run every now and then. All right, so now we'll get to who we both picked. Uh, the blue is me and the pink is Justin. And we agreed. We both uh, went with Jalen Rayner. Um, I went with Rayner for the upside, right? I mean, he's got higher upside than both of the other two. Um, if you needed a safer play, uh, maybe you go with Cook. Uh, Thin would be the Thin would be the third option uh, for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm along the same lines. Uh, definitely, it's an upside pick with Rayner. Uh, again, I'm not putting too much stock into that game against Troy. I know it was disastrous, but they've got a good defense. This is a much better matchup. Uh, Rainer has a dual threat. I just like that he has that option. Obviously, Finn's a dual threat, but as I mentioned, you know, the matchup isn't quite as good. So sort of a similar profile between the two. One just has a better matchup. Uh, Cook, as I just mentioned, you know, he doesn't. They don't use him on the ground, even though he was a good runner last year. They're not going to use him that way. Then it really doesn't matter. Uh, he's solid, and as Justin said, if you need a safe plug and play option, yeah, maybe that's the guy you might prefer. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta take chances and see how that, you know, absolutely. So, absolutely. All right. Next, uh, next QB question. This comes from Michael Erickson on Twitter and he's asking about JJ McCarthy versus Seth Hennigan. You want to start us off here, Justin? Sure. And I'm going to try to remember, <laughs> remember which of these two I picked. Uh, I'm not going to give it away here. <laughs> I have a format uh, both of these guys are pretty similar. Uh, in terms of like just the profile this week, I think both of their matchups are good. Uh, UAB is really bad. Um, they've been getting cut up on defense, and they also play pretty fast on offense, which I like. That's a good recipe for CFF success. Michigan is probably just going to dominate Michigan State, but I don't know that they're going to be like passing all over them. Like they, they could easily like this could be a game where Corum finishes with like four touchdowns. Uh, maybe Donovan Edwards finally scores a touchdown. I, I don't know what's going on with him. And this could be, literally be a game where Michigan just pushes the Spartans around. Uh, so, it's you know, there's more of that sort of risk in terms of McCarthy where, you know, he might play the full game, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy who scores. Uh, Hennigan, you know, he's also been – he's been solid. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad. Like, he's never had a bad week, if I remember correctly. He's always sort of in around 22 points at his lowest. Sometimes he'll get you 25, 26. This feels like a week where he'd probably get you 25, 26 points. Uh, he's got a good matchup. Uh, and he's also, you know, that he uses uh, his legs as well. Uh, they, they're both these guys are kind of dual threat players. So they're, they're pretty similar uh, from that standpoint. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is like, it's a coin toss. Um, I can see arguments for either player. Um, on the J.J. McCarthy side, um, if, if they want him to win the Heisman, um, he's gonna like to me that like this is where it starts, um, in terms of like him producing some uh pretty big numbers. Um, you know, uh, I think is that is that realistic that he could win the Heisman? Absolutely. Um, just because you know his team's highly ranked, um, but he's gonna his stats are gonna have to start bumping up there pretty significantly, I think, to kind of you know at least get closer to what we're seeing out of the uh, the, those Pac 12 quarterbacks. Um, Hennigan it is a great matchup, as you said. UAB is, is a high-scoring offense, um, and so it's going to be a, a high-scoring game. Uh, yeah, it, to me, it just – with I don't want to give away who I picked, but, it I mean, it, just, it, it, is, it, it, was, it was a hard matchup. Um, I just kind of went with my gut on who I felt safer about maybe um, and who I thought had the – who I thought 
probably had a higher ceiling. But at the end of the day, I feel like um, we look back at this next week, like these guys are going to be within a couple points of each other. Yeah, probably. That's what I was going to say. I feel like we're going to discuss this for at length just to find out like they both had 25. <laughs> right, right. All right, so we'll get to who we picked, and uh, we disagreed. We we each we each went our own way. Um, I just went. I went with McCarthy for the same reasons I talked about before. Was I just feel like you know if if they're trying to push him for a Heisman, um, this this is this would be a great opportunity to show that. Yeah, that's an interesting angle in terms of like yeah the off field kind of angle of it of like you know what they're trying to do from an individual award standpoint. Certainly, he has the pedigree, right? Five star kid played one year at img he's got quite a bit going for him believe it or not i, I feel like that stuff does matter in terms of the heisman voting uh certainly and i agree with you you know his upside in this game like maybe it's not quorum who scores all the touchdowns like maybe mccarthy does and he's involved with like five or six i don't know like that hennigan has that 40 point uh, performance in him even if this is a high scoring game because they've got some good running backs there too uh yeah uh, it was a coin toss for me like i said i, I to be honest, I didn't even really remember. What, I was like, I think it was Hennigan, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> it is, it is, and and, and to uh, to Michael Erickson, like I couldn't blame him if he if he whichever way he went. Um, you know, I, just, I I felt McCarthy had maybe a little higher higher potential ceiling, but I, like we said, at the end of the day, it's it's very possible they're going to be within two or three points of each other. Yeah. All right, so now we'll move on to the running backs. This comes from. Ty Myers on Twitter, and he wants us to pick two between Imani Bailey against Kansas State, Dylan Johnson against Arizona State, and Carson Steele uh, against Stanford. Um, this one, I don't know. It, at least for me, it didn't. It wasn't a very hard decision. Um, I mean, all three of them are good running backs, but you know, Steele's been coming on. Steele and Johnson have been coming on strong, pretty, you know, pretty strong the last several games. Uh, Bob Bailey has kind of been more consistent throughout the season. Um, the Kansas State, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, I don't know that you're really worried about any, any of these defenses. Um, so to me, it just kind of comes down to like who's who I think is going to get, you know, the more volume in terms of carries and yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the defenses, I, I, I would say Kansas State worries me a little bit. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of what they were last year. Uh, you know, typically they're pretty good against the run. At least they were last year. And I think they, they they've been okay this year, right? Against against the run. I mean, they're, yeah, they're not they're not a terrible defense. I mean, obviously Stanford's probably the worst of the three. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly the two pack uh, twelve opponents there uh, are pretty weak defenses. So of the three, those those two that sort of stand out. Uh, and, you, and you named it too right at the beginning. Uh, Bailey, you know, he's been more consistent. Certainly, you know, in terms of season-long, you know, value, uh, you know, I think he's been the better of the three. Uh, Dylan Johnson, though, you know, something I will mention um, is, you know, Washington was in a lot of blowouts early on in the season, so his touch volume, you know, it was hard to get a read on like what they were actually going to do offensively. And obviously, everybody thinks of this team as, you know, it's Penix. They're throwing it around. They've got three fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Maybe a fourth now with Giles Jackson, uh, so it's it's easy to get caught up in that. But actually, the only two games that Washington was in that were close games, Johnson saw, uh, I believe it was like twenty and twenty-one touches total on both of those, and he had good fantasy games in both of those. So if that's an, any indication of like what their game plan is in terms of if a game is competitive, 
uh, we could be seeing like Johnson's value sort of ascend as the season goes on. I don't know that Arizona State's going to be that competitive matchup. You know, obviously that remains to be seen. Uh, is this in Arizona State? Do you know? Like, is it in Arizona? Um, I don't know, but I, can, uh... I would just point out that, you know, strange things do seem to happen within the desert. Um, these Pac-12 teams go down and play Arizona State. So, you know, maybe uh, hopefully that could be on the side of the Sun Devils and keep this game. It's in Washington. Oh, yeah. Well, then disregard what I just said. But uh, either way, you know, Johnson, if this game is competitive, I, I would expect, you know, he'll continue his trend in usage. And Steele as well. He's also in a similar similar vein with Johnson. He's really ascended in terms of his touches lately. I, I wouldn't say he's like the clear volume pig in the backfield. So they've got other guys who still see touches. But, you know, he, I believe he had like 30 carries. It was either this past weekend or a week ago. Uh, they're really like handing it to him quite a bit now. Stanford is probably a team they can run the ball on a lot. So, yeah, I mean, th- I found this question interesting. Actually, I didn't think it was, you know, that clear. I thought I thought there were some inter- interesting angles. I won't give my answer away. I know we're about to go to the next slide. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we both agreed. Um, we both went with Steele and Johnson. And I just, for me, the, the last two weeks, they, they've, you know, been highly productive. And I just couldn't ignore that trend and, and chose, choose Bailey over either one of them. Yeah, for me, it was just a matchup, really. Um, that was kind of the tiebreaker. I was like, well, above all else, I believe Kansas State's a little bit better in terms of defense. Yeah. Uh, I have Bailey in one of my leagues. I've watched a little bit of TCU. Uh, I don't really like what they've been doing on offense. Like They're just doing some weird stuff. <laughs> they're, they're, they haven't been that effective. Uh, and lately, Bailey's kind of sputtered a little bit. So he was really good in September. These past couple of weeks in October, it's been a little up and down. Uh, whereas the other two lately... Uh, they've been pretty hot, so why not uh, just stay with the hot hand? All right. We'll move on to our next uh, running back question. This comes from Austin Smith on Twitter, and we need to pick one between Jalen Buckley against Ohio, Cody Schrader against Missouri, and Jermaine Brown Jr. against Memphis. You want to start us off here? Yeah, sure. First thing I'll say is, Maybe take a look. I don't know like what the, what the eligibility rules are in this person's league, but Jermaine Brown is wide receiver eligible in a lot of leagues. So you might want to consider like look at your wide receiver room, take a hard look, uh, and really see you know if he is eligible. I'd just slot him in in that wide receiver's position, <laughs> and then take a look at these other two. Because uh, yeah. both of these guys, uh, Schrader and Buckley, you know they've got decent matchups. Uh, Ohio actually has a pretty good defense in the MAC. Yeah, I think they're like a top ten rush defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's hard to put a lot of stock into these like top ten rushes because it's highly dependent on the, the teams you played. On, on who they the, played, yeah. We're at the point of the season where the samples may be big enough to, to defend against that a little bit more so than like you know end of September, so to speak. But even so, um, in terms of like MAC uh, strength of schedule, Ohio seems to be pretty competent on defense. That worries me a little bit for Buckley. Um, and he also just hasn't been the guy who's getting all the touches there. They they have another. Running back who they have is pretty involved. He's got another weird name. I, I'm not even trying to guess it. Uh, um, is it Salam? There we um, go. There we go. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Tonight. Yeah. And then Schrader is in a similar position. Uh, he sees a lot of touches in Missouri, but there is another uh, Nathaniel Pete. He's last last time I checked, he was still getting a decent amount of touches. Uh, but their matchup's not bad. South Carolina is kind of sputtering this year. Uh, they could easily win this game. You could see Schrader see 20 plus touches. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I would take a look at that. Like, you know, if you're 
is Jermaine Brown in the wide receiver position is absolutely like a cheat code, the amount of touches he sees. So that would be one thing I would, I would mention. Yeah, the, um, I kind of echo your sentiments. Uh, and that's an excellent point that if uh, Jermaine Brown is eligible as a wide receiver, you slot him in a receiver, and then you can, you know, you pick between uh, Schrader and Buckley. Um, one thing to note, you know, Brown, Brown had been sharing time too with Isaiah Jacobs, and it was just announced uh, that Isaiah Jacobs is out for the rest of the year. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's positive news for uh, anybody that owns Jermaine Brown Jr. Yeah, it's officially Jermaine Brown Jr. season over there. I mean, that's right. what we've seen in the last two games, I believe that's just going to continue. So uh, he's going to be really productive, I think. <laughs> yeah, and with that, I'll, I'll end the suspense. <laughs> we both went Jermaine Brown Jr. Um, and, and, you know, we both picked him before that news went out. So it yeah. kind of feels like maybe cheating a little bit now that the news came out about Isaiah Jacobs, but uh, in order to get the graphics ready, uh, we, we, you know, we were going over our picks yesterday and we, and we both picked uh, Brown Jr. Be- even before the Jacobs news. So I think the Jacob news just solidifies it even more, right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And I assume this person probably asked you probably before the news even came out. Well, obviously they did. They did. They asked on Monday, I think, and, and they did. Um, Austin did post because Jermaine Brown Jr. was a free agent that he did go ahead and as soon as he saw that news, he did go ahead and pick up Jermaine Brown Jr. Um, yeah. His other maybe, are going to be kicking themselves that they left. Absolutely. Let's do something a little extra here. Let's say he does put Jermaine Brown Jr. at wide receiver. Who would you go with between Buckley and Schrader? I was just going to say that would be a fun exercise to go through because, yeah, these other two, that's an interesting question. Um, this one, that would be hard for me. To, to split hairs between these two. Um, for me, I, I might still roll Buckley. Something about Max schedule, it just it always gives me that hope in the back of my mind. Crazy stuff is going to happen. Whereas SEC, you know, it just feels feels like more of a defensive conference, though that's not really been the case this year. Uh, you know, They're both in a similar position. Like, there is another running back involved, but I think both are kind of the RB1A there. Buckley, you know, he had an injury a few weeks ago, so he's kind of been coming back from that. Uh, but presumably, the further and further we get away from that, the more and more involved and explosive he'll be. Uh, so I might roll Buckley on the upside here. But yeah, it's I, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I'd roll with Buckley just because I think his ceiling is ultimately higher than Schrader's, right? Schrader yeah. probably has maybe a little bit safer floor. Um, but Buckley, you know, Buckley, Buckley could go nuts for, you know, 30 points for you. I don't know yeah, that exactly. Schrader, I don't know that says the Schrader will, will, would do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the, uh, the wide receivers. This question comes from Benjamin Jacob on Twitter and he's asking Lincoln Victor against Oregon, Josh Kelly against Oregon or Lewis bond against Georgia tech. Um, man, this was, I mean, Giving all the injury and such, this was this was a hard one to, to pick. Um, I think, you know, Victor came back last week. That was a positive. And like we talked about earlier when we talked about this game, the game script should be positive for Washington State in terms of having to throw it a lot um, just because they're going to be down. Um, Lewis Bond's uh, been kind of inconsistent. Um, but, you know, I think that's to be expected when Castellanos is your quarterback and, you know, he's really much more of a, a running back per se than a, than a, you know, a true pass at quarterback. Um, this was, this was a 
a little bit hard for for me to pick. Um, you know, you got the Kelly injury, right? We don't know what Kelly's going to look like. We don't know if he's even going to play at this point. Uh, we do assume that Victor will play. Um, anything you want to add, Justin? Yeah, this is very difficult, and I legitimately actually do not remember. So did we have to start one or two from this question? Uh, we just picked one. Okay, I think I remember now. Uh, one thing I will say, Bond actually was pretty consistent through like the beginning of the season, and then there was that game against Army where Castellanos ran for like four touchdowns. I don't think he passed for any. Uh, that was his first game, I believe, Bond, uh, when he didn't score a touchdown. Or he might have had another one in there, but basically every game he played, he scored a touchdown. So he, he wasn't you know going for 20-plus points and, and having crazy games. But he's pretty consistent around the 15, 17 point mark, which which I do like at wide receiver because it is a volatile position. I place a premium on guys who can you can sort of rely on to just get 16, 17 points. Uh, the two Oregon or the two Washington State guys, uh, both as you mentioned, there's that uncertainty with the injury, uh, uncertainty with the game scripts. You think they're probably going to be playing from behind. Hopefully they don't get beat up too bad to where like they just take starters out, right? Like especially if these guys are dealing with something, like you have aspirations to win other games throughout the season, you might say, well, why do we have Victor still in the game if we're down 25, 30 points in the second half? So there, there is that risk, although probably small. Um, yeah, so I, I think I remember who I picked now. So uh, I won't. I won't uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll move over to that slide. So there you go. You, you went with Bond. I went with Victor. Um, for me, it was just a more upside play. Uh, Bond is definitely the safer play of, of the group. To me, yeah. Kelly is Kelly was easily the third choice for me. Yeah, Kelly, I mean, he was productive already in the season before Victor went down. I mean, like that first game Victor went down, he was really good. And, you know, we were kind of wondering, oh, is he just, is that what's going to happen now while Victor's out? Uh, but it didn't really happen that way. Um, it seems like Kyle Williams took up more of the slack. Just overall, actually, the offense just hasn't really been as good. So they really yeah. just haven't produced the same outcomes there. Even the quarterback isn't doing quite well anymore. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely there's upside there with Victor. I mean, when he's healthy, he's, he's, he's a candidate for CFF wide receiver one, no doubt. Uh, but I like Bond. I like his consistency. I think he gets back in the end zone this week against the GT. All right. We'll move on to our second wide receiver question. This one came from Andrew Brecht on YouTube. And uh, we pick one between Keon Coleman against Duke, Pafele Ashlock against New Mexico, and Gage Larverdane against Toledo. Um, this was a this was a pretty hard one too. I mean, Coleman has looked very great for Florida State. You know, Ashlock's been consistent, and Larverdane came back last week and scored two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh I love me some Larva Dana. I have quite a few shares of his. He's a fun player. I'm glad he's back. When he's back, he seems to be clearly their target man. Toledo also, though, I will say, in the MAC is one of the better defenses. Something about these Ohio MAC teams. They seem to be the ones that are good on defense. Uh, yeah, Coleman, I love his matchup against Duke. Um, I don't know, though, if, like, well, it was, it was a great matchup maybe a few weeks ago, like when Riley Leonard was still healthy. Uh, and they had everybody intact. Uh, it might be a game where it's more of a wash now for FSU, which might mean they hand it off to Trey Benson a little bit more uh, rather than sort of push the ball downfield. So it's tough to say there. Uh, I don't want to, like, overanalyze it too much. Uh, Ashlock, you know, he sees consistent target volume basically since week zero. Uh, they had that – they're one of the few teams that played week zero. They, you know, he's, he was in a slump there. He hadn't scored in, like, four games. But he was still just right. based on 
target volume. I think he was always hitting around 10 points, maybe a little bit more. This past weekend, he had, had a great game. Uh, he saved me in one of my leagues. I won one game by 0.25 points. I needed uh, Ashlock at the very end. He scored like 20 points or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, love me some Ashlock. This is a tough question. This is a great question. It is. That Duke defense is legit, too. Um, I also wonder if Duke is going to try to push Riley Leonard back, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because if Duke has any shot to win this game, he's got to play. And, but yeah. he's got to be effective, too. If he can't be effective, then, you know, I guess there's no point. But uh, yeah. it'd be interesting to kind of see what Duke does there at quarterback. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's get to who we each selected. Um, I'll let you start us off. <laughs> yeah, so I see we disagreed here. Just, we did. We did. <laughs> uh, for me, you know, it was kind of a, a sliver between all three. I, I don't have a problem with starting any of them. I would not be unhappy to start any of them. Um, yeah, I like Larvidane. And again, something about his Mac matchups, it's just always so tantalizing. Just Because pro- I know it, it could always go sideways. Like at any moment, it could be 45, 55. Like it's just, we've seen it happen every year. Uh, Ashlock, this is one of the few weekends where Hawaii actually plays at like a decent time, like 3.30. So finally, like you don't have to stay up to like watch his game, which that's nice. <laughs> um, and they have a good matchup. They play New Mexico State. Or New, yeah, Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not both. very good. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. They're both not great on yeah, the Exactly. Uh, I love that he's like a consistent target guy. Like it, it really came down to Larvardine and Ashlock for me. Both of those guys are clearly like the go-to. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say go clearly go-to, but clearly like focal point of the offense, right? Ashlock, there's McBride, you know, they, they, they do some other things. Uh, Larvadine, though, I would say pretty much when it, when he's healthy, he's definitely wide receiver one there. Um, but they both seem pretty good, consistent target volume. I don't really think you can go wrong with either one of these. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I, the reason I went with Larvardane is just because of the ceiling, right? Um, I just feel like he could – you know, have another monster game. Um, Ashlock, like you said, he's just kind of been the model of consistency. Um, those were the two clear number one and twos for me um, with Coleman being, being a third. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I just felt like the ceiling for Larvardane wasn't something or that potential. I, I just, you know, I, I tend to take those kind of risks um, because, you know, some you, you never know when you're going to need it, right? When you're going to need those 30 and 40 points. And I feel like Larvardane can do that, whereas Ashlock's going to be that consistent, you know, 15, 16, 17 point kind of guy. Yeah, I feel like it's a testament to how close it was for me that I literally just forgot that I didn't pick Larvardane. Like, I was looking at the graphic. I was like, oh, did I pick Larvardane? To be honest, like, these two are interchangeable. You know, if you had to pick one in terms of just the profile. Uh, I do agree with you. You know, Larvardane definitely has, like, a higher ceiling. Uh, Ashlock, though, you know, he's been sort of consistent. He doesn't really have any health issues. So, I don't right. know. Yeah, you know, we don't know. When, we, we don't exactly know what the issue with Larvardane was. Um, my understanding was something upper body, and so it was a kind of a pain management thing. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he could take a shot and be knocked out for the game again. You know, we, we don't know that. And so, certainly in that situation, Ashlock's going to be the probably safer play, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Larvardane looked pretty good last week. I think he's, I think he's back, but uh, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we'll go to our flex questions, and this comes from Dynasty Central Sports on Twitter, uh, choosing between Cameron Scadaboo against Arizona State, Robert Lewis against Georgia State, and Carson Steele against Stanford. 
I'm going to let you start us off, Justin. Yeah, well, I guess we – so we already covered steel in a previous question. So I think our thoughts are, are, been, are clear on him. He's got a good matchup, and obviously he's sort of ascending in this target volume. That's good if, uh, if you're sort of thinking of playing him. Robert Lewis, uh, he had that massive game in like week – gosh, it might have been week three. Week Two four. or three, yeah. Yeah, he scored basically like 50 points. I, I remember it only because in my home league, uh, Felix Sharp, I was playing against him, and – uh, no disrespect to Felix, but I was just thinking like, oh, this is this is this should be a dub this week, no no problem. Uh, and then he had Robert Lewis pop off like 50 points. He had another player went off like 50. And I was just like, oh god. And I I was looking the other day and I was like, because I hadn't heard of Lewis's name since. And I was like, what, what's he been doing since? And I just looked at the stat line. He's basically been at like 16, 15, 10 points ever since. And I was like, oh, of course. And that's that's just how it goes in CFF, right? So he's kind of fallen off, right, since that week two. Uh, but this Georgia State team, they do like to concentrate the volume, you know, basically on, on, on all accounts. The running back sees all the carries. Lewis seems to get most of the targets. Uh, they have a running quarterback, so that limits the ceiling for Lewis. That's probably why he's not been more productive. Scadabo has been great for Arizona State. They use him in a lot of different ways. Like I, I saw him maybe a few weeks ago attempting a pass in the game. He's catching passes, obviously. Of course, he's running it. He's a running back. Uh, against Washington, though, it's a Kind of a tough matchup, but not enough to like scare me away uh, from playing him. Like uh, I, I know his role in the team. I know he's like a huge focal point in the offense. Uh, so I, I wouldn't worry. I, I just saw sort of what Oregon did in terms of their running backs last weekend. So yeah. I wouldn't be too worried in terms of matchup to play Scadaboo. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, I don't think I've given away my answer on this one. So uh. <laughs> no, I don't think you have. Um... Yeah, I mean, you saw Bucky Irving did against Washington last week, right? And 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 Scadaboo kind of serves a similar purpose for Arizona State. Um, and and Irving, you know, produced last week. Um, I do feel like Washington of, of the three defenses, they are the best defense. But as you said, Scadaboo's kind of the he's the focal point of the Arizona State offense as well. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was not this one wasn't. Um, when I first saw the question, like I thought it was easier. Um, once I kind of did, did a little more research, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was. Um, so we'll with that, we'll kind of get to who we each picked. Um, I did go with uh, Carson Steele, and I think I, j- I just gave him the edge because of the matchup against Stanford. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair enough. For me, it was, it was close uh, between those two. Uh, Lewis, for me, clearly was third. Yeah, uh, yeah. But sort of the two running backs, and in general, I, I prefer running backs in the flex position, even if it's one PPR. I just like the guys who I know are going to see more touches. That's kind of the calculation. Uh, and both Steel and, and Skadaboo, uh definitely fit that volume pig tag, right? But um, you know, you have to pick one. It's kind of splitting hairs. Skadaboo doesn't split carries really with anybody else. He's, he's really the main focal point of that team. So uh, that was kind of the deciding factor for me. Yeah, and you make an excellent point. I don't remember this question set up as PPR or not, but if it's anything less than one PPR, then like it's to me, it's very clear that it's one of the two running backs. Yeah. Um, so, all right, moving on to our next flex question. This comes from Mitch Hart on Twitter, and it's Sam Brown against. Uh, this is a full PPR league. Um, Sam Brown against Houston. Anthony Grant against Nebraska. And Jace McClellan against Tennessee. Um, this was kind of a, a tough question. I felt, um, 
You know, Sam Brown's kind of been the focal point um, of the Houston passing attack. Um, you know, Golden Golden got injured last week, set out the second half. Um, no word on whether he's going to be healthy or not this week. But I, even when Golden's there, I feel like Sam Brown's kind of the, the top guy maybe. Um, at least from a production standpoint, he's producing more than uh, than Golden is. Um, you know, Anthony Grant uh, going against Northwestern. Um, not a great defense, right? Um, you know, I, I'm going to assume Jeff Sims is going to be back, but we don't know. Um, regardless, I feel like Nebraska relies on the, 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 the running, uh, the running backs here in this situation. And then Jace McClellan against Tennessee. Um, uh, I, you know, they got Roydell Williams. They got Jace. They got Milrow. That's kind of a crowded backfield back there. I feel like um, yeah. it's a lot of straws in the milkshake uh, for Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. So, you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you on, on a lot of what you said. I mean, um, Anthony Grant. You know, he's like the last man standing in Nebraska's backfield. And of these three, well, certainly of the two running backs, I feel the most confident that he'll see 20 touches. I know Sam Brown won't, um, but Anthony Grant, in terms of these two running backs, I think is going to, you know, more likely to hit 20, 25 touches, probably 20 carries. Uh, and this is a, like, you know, this is a team that Nebraska could actually move the ball on fairly well, right? A lot of their matchups, it's like yeah. you know, Grant's probably the guy who gets the touches, but it's not going to matter because they're playing Michigan or such and such, and they're just going to get absolutely crapped on all game. But this is a game where Nebraska could probably move the ball. Probably they're going to score a lot. They're probably going to win the game. Uh, so he's a guy where it's like, in terms of who do you know who's going to get the touches, I uh, feel pretty confident about him. Colin obviously has that high ceiling because, I mean, skill set's hot, you know, really good. He's a good runner. He's a good pass catcher. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, they have a running quarterback who steals run, rushing touchdowns left and right. Uh, they have White L. Williams, who uh, randomly might go for 20 carries, uh, as we've seen throughout the season. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's just a weird offense. It's hard to really rely on anybody in that one. It is a good, decent matchup, though. I mean, it should be a close game. They should be back and forth. Should score a lot of points. Uh, and then Sam Brown, yeah, I don't like his matchup. That's kind of the thing. Uh, I've I watched definitely the of, best defense of the three. Oh yeah, and I watched some Houston offense earlier this season. Wasn't impressed by Donovan Smith. I, I know he's sort of improved these past couple of weeks, but. Uh, he just didn't really look that good in the games I was watching in terms of just his ability to be effective. And that worries me uh, in this game against Texas. I, I do worry that they might just get completely have their doors blown off uh, in this game. Uh, so, yeah, uh, again, uh, we didn't give the answer away. It's a good question. <laughs> Interesting angles to, to evaluate. Well, I mean, for, for the, the, I guess the positive for Sam Brown and Houston is they should be down, so that should equal more passing, right? Um, yeah, uh, question, yeah, the question right. is, can they be successful at it? Exactly. All right. Uh, we both uh, we both agreed here. Anthony Grant, to me, was the easy choice. Um, just feels like the, the, the highest ceiling, the safest, all the above, right, for me. Yeah, it's just a good recipe. Like, it's one of the few games for Nebraska, right? Like, he always gets the touches since the other running backs are down. But most games, it's just it doesn't matter because they're, they're so out, outmatched. This is one of those games where Nebraska is more talented than the team they're playing. So it feels like a good recipe, right? Absolutely. 
All right, now we'll move on to the tight ends. This comes from Michael Erickson on Twitter. And the question is, RJ Maryland against Temple, Colston Loveland against Michigan, and Shaman Mateer against Baylor. Do you want to start us off on this one, Justin? Yeah, yeah. The, the tight end questions these days are, are getting uh, hilarious. Uh, you know, there's, there's hardly anybody left, right? Um, so RJ Maryland, uh, you know, preseason, he was a hot name. Uh, he's a guy probably who's drafted eight, nine, ten round range, most drafts. Uh, in a lot of your leagues, he probably got dropped maybe a couple of weeks ago, but he's actually improved um, seemingly from a CFF standpoint. I think he had a good week one, then there was a big lull there, and then he's basically had back-to-back weeks now where uh, he's been good. He's been productive in terms of tight end standards. I love this matchup against Temple. We just saw North Texas play Temple. It was a, a good game in terms of production for all the assets uh, involved on the North Texas side especially. Uh, so I'd expect SMU in this game. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to score a lot of points. Uh, RJ Maryland, they don't really have a clear alpha wide receiver. Uh, but kind of, if you're a Maryland holder, for sure, you're kind of hoping maybe he sort of descends into that role. Uh, certainly, though, he's like part of, he's a big part of the offense. He gets his targets. Um, and, you know, that's that's more than you can say about most tight ends. Uh, the other two, uh, Loveland. Uh, I know he's kind of been solid. It was another good matchup also, of course, as Michigan State. We, we touched on it earlier. Um, but as I mentioned with McCarthy, I, I do worry that maybe this is a game where Michigan just relies on the run, condenses the game, uh, bruises the Spartans, uh, scores a bunch of rushing touchdowns, and then just gets the hell out of there. Uh, so there is that concern. Uh, and then in terms of Cincinnati's tight end here, uh, I don't know as much about him. I think he's kind of – he had, like, a, I guess, a solid game last weekend. But, like, before that, I don't believe he's been that productive. Uh, I should probably look that up as I'm talking. He's, but, uh, uh, he, he's really come on the last two weeks. It's been the last two yeah, weeks last where, two where he's been get, he's been getting some volume and uh, red, zone, red zone looks. Yeah. Before that, he so, was, like, non-existent. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, with tight ends, it's like it's hard to find guys who are just consistently. So that, that's not a huge red flag. For him, you know, the quarterback is obviously more of a run first guy, whereas, you know, SMU, Preston Stone, Phil is more of a distributor. McCarthy definitely can hurt you along the ground, but, you know, he's, he's probably more of a distributor first. Emory Jones feels more like a runner first rather than a distributor. Uh, so there is that. Although, obviously, the last couple of weeks, uh, you must have been, you know, finding love um, the tear. Uh, in the end zone, or, or at least connecting on some targets. Uh, but for me, this one was kind of clear, and maybe it's just based off the name brand value and the preseason value. I'm giving my answer away, but for me, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, they're all. If you just look at points, right? They're in the last few weeks. They're all. They're fairly even. Um, the 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 one differentiator I think for Loveland is um, his points are really predicated whether he gets a touchdown or not, right? He's not necessarily getting a. He's not. I don't feel like the last two weeks anyway. He's been seeing the volume that the other two guys have have, but you know he's gotten touchdowns, and so that and that's kind of predicated his um, fantasy score. And for me, you know, you just can't touchdowns aren't reliable, right? Um, yeah, kind of you kind you kind of want to see that volume. Those are the ones you want to probably avoid usually when you're looking at tight ends, like because again, slim pickings. So a lot of these guys you see them. It's like their points might be okay, but. He scored like a touchdown in three straight weeks. Chances are he's probably not going to score this week. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go through so, this. <laughs> I mean, I went. I, I went with a hot hand. Um, 
with Mateo just because, you know, he, the last two weeks, he's kind of been, he's been the man. Um, but I certainly couldn't fault your choice of RJ Maryland. RJ Maryland of the three has definitely been the more consistent, you know, if you can use that word with a tight end, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the bar is low. So yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think you're kind of uh, – it wouldn't surprise me again if all three of these players ended up with like eight <laughs> nine. It's going to be who got the touchdown and who didn't. Uh, that's pretty much going to be the difference, which honestly that's impossible you know, to predict. It, it, and they all have good matchups, right? None, none of these defenses are like great defenses. So, um, yeah. All right, we'll move on to our last tight end question. And once again, it's the, it's the one of the we don't get a lot, we only got two tight end questions, so they both made the show. Um, again, we got Shaman Mateer, Cincinnati versus Jaheim Bell um, going against Duke. I'll let you start us off here, Justin. Sure. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we just discussed Mateer, so I guess yeah. our thoughts are known on him. Uh, Bell at FSU. Uh, it's a good matchup. I know Duke's defense is, is good. For me, I'm looking at that as you know, FSU is more talented than Duke, so I'm hoping that Duke. Uh, I know Duke's been good this year, but, but you know, if Leonard's not playing. I'm just hoping Duke keeps it competitive, forces FSU to have to pass the ball, lean on their best players, and then it doesn't just become you know a wash. Uh, so the fact that Duke can play some good defense actually doesn't bother me that much. I just hope they keep up on offense. Yeah, uh, Bell. He's, you know, he started off at South Carolina. He was sort of a, a really hot sort of name in CFF. I believe it was last offseason because he was getting carries and targets for the Gamecocks. Um, and then, obviously, you know, he kind of had a disappointing year last year, transferred to FSU this year. They're using him, though, at FSU. Like, he's got, he gets good usage over there. Uh, I know they have other guys, right? They've got Coleman. They've got Wilson. They've got a couple of running backs. So they, they've got a lot of guys, and even Travis um, – this what his name is now escaping me. Travis, what's his last name? Anyways, the Jordan Travis. That's Jordan that's, Travis, and then they got Morlock also at tight end. Oh yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, the, the other guy who's a transfer, FCS transfer, I believe. So yep. yeah, they've got a lot of players. They're just very explosive, a lot of names. But even still, um, I like Bell this week. Uh, I, you know, he's one of the better tight ends this year. I just again, uh, I know most of the, most of them are not even playing anymore. They're injured. They're missing time. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think both of these guys are kind of fairly close. It's a good question. Yeah. I think it kind of, I think like it, it comes down to what you want, right? Um, Bell's has been very boomer bust, I feel like, right? He's either gone for like 20 points or next to nothing. Um, not mm -hmm. much, not much in between. Um, so with that, I'll get to our selections. And we disagreed. I, I went with the hot hand again, and you went with Bell. Bell certainly has the higher ceiling, I feel, of the two. Yeah, no, I, I just pulled up Bell's uh, Bell stats here. So it's, it's one of these things in CFF where, like, you look at the FPG average of players. A lot of times, you know, you'll see similar averages, but if you look at the look under the hood, you got to look at the games. Like that, yeah, some some are actually in that range consistently. Some like Bell are just up and down. The tight end is one of those positions for me. I don't mind. Well, it's not that I don't mind that, but in terms of like the options you have, it's not the worst. Yeah. To just take a swing each week like yeah maybe he gets next to zero points that week and hopefully you still win but the off week where he gets 20 the chances that you won that week are very high yeah. uh it's just a position that it's so scarce there aren't really consistent contributors so yeah outside Dallin holker right or even holden willis at uh, middle tennessee yeah well holden willis if he's eligible in your league I know he's yeah if he's eligible as a tight end 
Yeah. Well, Dallin Holder, of course. Yeah. If you have him, you're not worried about, you're probably not submitting questions to the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outside of those two guys, I just don't know what other reliable week to week options there are, right? No. So, you know, that's kind of my logic with Bell. Again, you know, matchup's good. You can swing for defense with him. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think both of these tight ends are pretty close. Uh, just look, I'm just looking at their stats right now. So I think one's more upside, one's more consistent. At least one's more consistent lately. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Bell, Bell's definitely. I feel like Bell's definitely the upside play. Uh, Mateo's probably the, the 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 safer choice. Um, and, and like you said, I think you know tight end's a perfect spot to take a gamble um, with an upside guy, right? Because you know. You, you, you got the chance of Bell of 20 points, um, whereas, you know, most times your tight end scoring you, what, five? You're happy if your tight end getting you five to six, right? I was just going to um, say, like, most people's tight ends get you five to ten points. So if you take a zero that week, like, even if you DNPs, it's like, what's – does it really matter that much? Like, it's not right. that big of a difference. Nope. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, so that's going to do it uh, for our start-sit questions this week. Um We'll be back next week with you. I will be back. Uh, Justin will be back taking your questions for week nine. Um, hopefully, uh, we, any questions we didn't get to, I know I'm going to try to go to Twitter um, and answer those questions. I did answer some of them in advance because folks were asking us about players that are actually playing right now uh, when we record this Tuesday night. Um, so I tried to go ahead and answer those questions because we obviously didn't want to include those on the show because by the time you can hear it, um, the game's already going to be over, so it'll be a moot point. Um, but, yeah, any questions that aren't answered on the show, I'm going to try to uh, get to Twitter either later tonight or um, tomorrow, Wednesday, when you're listening to this, to try to try to give you guys my thoughts and my answers. And uh, thanks, you know, thanks for, for listening. Um, once again, you can find me at justice underscore 2318. You can find my work over at Campus to Canton, also the G5 Hive, Debbie IDP Grind, uh, Justin, how about you? Yeah, well, I'll just give you a shout out too on your show. I was watching it the other day. I saw you had cats on uh, as a guest. So, uh, yes, yeah, you did last night. And Luke, uh, good, good stuff you guys got going over there. Uh, yeah, you can find me, see the little handle there, Volume Pigs. It's in my Twitter profile. I'll be tagged in the post here. Uh, I've been on every week. So, if you're not following me by now or subscribe, probably it's, you know, it's not going to happen. But uh, if you're just discovering this for the first time, yeah, check, check me out. I do CFF articles. Right at C2C also, Campus Ken. Uh, like I said, also, I'm, I'm doing some of the waiver stuff and fan tracks. So I'm all over the place. You can't escape me. No, you, you mean he puts out articles like he's, he's a madman, like, and it's, and it's quality content. It is, and it's not only like what I appreciate it most, it's not just useful, actionable information, but it's like it's entertaining to read, right? Um, you know, his writing style is, is very, it's, it's unique. Um, and it, it's just, it's awesome, man. Like if there was like an Oscar or I don't know what the right word is, but for, for college fantasy football articles, like Justin would win hands down, like his, his, his writing, um, acumen is, is second to none in my opinion. So if, if you don't, if you're not checking them out, like you're, you're missing out, like just from a pure entertainment standpoint, much less the, you know, the knowledge and the information that he's given to you guys on almost a daily basis. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I might not live up to that expectation. I mean, that, that's high praise, but yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, you can uh, follow the show uh, on YouTube, wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, also, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, if you're not a member of Campus to Canton, you are certainly missing out. We have 
anything and everything you need um, from CFF, Debbie, Campus to Cantons um, leagues, as well as like, as I said earlier, we have stuff for betting and uh, some college IDP stuff as well. So uh, until next week, uh, we will see you and thanks for listening.